Before we start the show, I have to let you guys know about our sponsor, Velvet Noir BC. Again, Velvet Noir Beard Care Products, the best beard care product line on the market. You can get yourself any three products for $30. Again, that's any three products for $30. That's the Beard Balm, any of the four scented beard oils, the Peach Comb, and the Scented Co wash and for listeners of the game plan podcast velvet noir bc has a special deal for you if you type in g p t s m in the promo code box again if you type in the promo code g p t s m you will get free shipping on your order again if you use the promo code g p t s m your next order from velvet noir bc will have free shipping again velvet noir bc Top two, not two. Now let's start the show. You could be anywhere doing anything, but you're hanging out with us. We appreciate that. So wherever you're listening and however you're listening, we appreciate you guys for listening. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Get us on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Twitter at Game Plan T. SM. And joining me for this episode and every single episode of the Game Plan Podcast is the one, the only, the multi-talented, the coach, the actor, Kennedy Miller. How you doing over there, my man? Hello, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Alex? Yeah, and I'm doing all right, dog. You doing, you, doing, you doing all right over there, man? Yes, sir. I'm just trying to make it. Hey man, you you have to doing your thing out here, man. At doing these plays. Next thing you know, we gonna see you on the big screen, Kennedy Miller. Forget all the coaching and stuff. Oh man, I'm just trying to trying to help out where I can help out. Hey man, I feel it. I feel it, man. Let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter. You can find me at Coach Ken underscore T N B A. Again, Coach Ken Ken underscore T, as in Ted, Ken <laughs> as in Nakasha. B as in brown <laughs> and A A is A. A is in apple juice, man. A is in apple juice. We just gonna leave it at that. Hey man, one of these days we have to explain this whole hello Ted thanks to the folks at home. One of these days we will, but it ain't gonna be today. Oh yeah. That's fine by me. Either way it goes, game plan podcast is brought to you by our friends at Velvet Noir BC Top Two. Not too. All right. All right. And let's just get into the sports now. So NFL free agency begins, and I want to say in about 10 days 
right? Well, the legal tampering period begins on the 17th, and one man is at the center of it all. People are wondering, what, what is he going to do? And that man is Tom Brady, right? So, Kennedy Miller, I like to think of Tom Brady as like a foundational piece, right? He's like one guy that's synonymous with a franchise. So, you think about the San Antonio Spurs, who do we think about, Kennedy Miller? Tim Duncan. We think about the Chicago Bulls, who do we think about? Michael Jordan. We think about the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat. Who do we think about? Dwayne Wade. And to switch it to music. When we think about Cash Money Records, I think about Lil Wayne, right? Yep. And it's like almost inconceivable to assume that that guy would end up in another uniform, recording for another label. But for Tom Brady, that is a very distinct possibility. You know, things are going back and forth. Will he re-sign with the Patriots? Will he not? We've heard of him having interest with other teams. So, Kennedy Miller, do you think Tom Brady returns to Foxborough next season? Um, You know, honestly, I, I thought he would kind of at the beginning of all this. But, you know, amidst all this talk, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he left. We were kind of talking before, um, before we started the show and – you know, a lot of a lot of superstars in there, you know, after their prime, you know, when they think they have another year and they really don't, they they go somewhere else. And, you know, we tend to forget that. You know, we just talked about Michael Jordan with the Bulls. You know, nobody talked about those Wizards things. Okay? Nobody really talks about the, you know, Joe Montana with the Chiefs. You know, so those are those are things that we just kinda of tend to forget, but it, it usually it, it's very common for it to happen with superstars that have played in one place for a long time. Even Dwayne Wade, you know, he, you know, he talked about how he regretted it, but he left and went to Chicago, and then went to Cleveland, and then you know, finally came back and realized that he probably shouldn't have. But it's always those guys that that you know that are those hometown, except for Duncan, Bryant, but. Yeah, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw him in, you know, a Raiders uniform or whoever's willing enough, whoever's dumb enough to pay that much money for Tom Brady to be their quarterback. All right, so my whole thing with a guy like Tom Brady at this age is this, man. I don't think Tom Brady should be going back to Foxborough. I don't think Tom Brady should be going to Tampa or anywhere in particular. Tom Brady should be going back to his mansion and staying there because as bad – and as, like, middle of the pack as he looked at times last year, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing an older, seeing somebody older age like that, you'd rather them leave a year early than a year late. Because right. you don't want to see your heroes, the guys you, that were at the pinnacle of their game, all of a sudden like a shell of themselves. You can think about what Peyton Manning looked like in that last season when he was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning was god-awful. They... Yeah, they benched Peyton Manning for that raggedy piece of garbage Brock Osweiler. Just saying that man's name makes my damn skin crawl. All right? <laughs> but they had to bench Peyton Manning. That's how bad Peyton Manning looked. Right? We think about it with a guy like Jordan didn't look. Jordan wouldn't watch this last year. But he's like, yeah, but this ain't the same Mike. Right? Kobe's last season in 2015-2016, Kobe was washed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole farewell tour and everything of the sort kind of overshadowed that. But Kobe, like, go look at the, go look at the, just the regular numbers, the advanced numbers. Kobe was really, really, really bad. 
and I just don't want to see him. Don't want to see Tom Brady go out and looking like crap. Now, be, to be honest with you, the Patriots did have a whole lot of issues. The offensive line wasn't good, and and if your offensive line ain't good, you can't really run the football. On the outside, they didn't have a number one receiver. They ran out there with Muhammad Sanu and Edelman, and they got rid of Josh Gordon. They sent Antonio Brown to the house. So there were reasons why Brady didn't look as good as you know he normally did. Gronkowski retired. Exactly. But yet and still, he's 42 years old, and he's having issues pushing the football down the field. So what team could he possibly go to that he would make definitively better? I don't think there's really one. I think teams like the Raiders or the Chargers or Tampa Bay, teams that have issues drumming up interest, Right and have to put butts in the seats. They'll go out and get a guy like Tom Brady just to drum up that you know that cat the interest of the casual fan. But we're not talking about Tom Brady going to a serious contender here. Now, what I will say, the charges would be because there are people that do consider them well considered them before last season, going into last season to kind of be a contender, and. It's going to be tough because obviously they play in the division with Kansas City. And I know that he would prefer to play in the division like the AFC East where he would have a, almost a cakewalk for six games. But that team is a team where, you know, if you have stable quarterback play, it's not many holes on that team. Now, they also have a bad offensive line. Their offensive line was surrendered. But... You know, with the weapons that they have out there, with the defense that they have, excelling at almost every level, I would be intrigued by that. I'm not going to anoint them as the Super Bowl champs. I'm probably not even going to say they're going to win the division. But I don't think Kansas City is just going to, you know, roll through them. I'd say it, the weird thing about a place like, I almost said San Diego, Jesus Christ, uh, with the Chargers would be, you're not going to have Melvin Gordon back next year. Austin Eckler did very well, but I think that might be a situation to where when expectations are low, this guy met those like expectations, but when they're much higher, can he actually reach them? It's kind of like when Ryan Fitzpatrick is your quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick is good when he was replacing somebody. Sorry. When you're actually expecting Ryan Fitzpatrick to be good, that's when he's not good, if that makes any sense. But with a guy like Brady... What games can he definitively win you? Like, so for a team like the Colts, right? Would you be willing to go take a flyer on Tom Brady? I already think the Raiders would. Right? Now, the one that... Go ahead. You know, with Brady, I'm not going to say the Colts are a small market, but I can't see him going there. And I think they've already solidified, you know, like, Hayden was their guy. And it... I don't know. That wouldn't really, that one really, wouldn't really sit well. It would almost be kind of like somebody that claimed blood their entire life, then trying to claim crip. Right, like, nah, I don't, I don't really, I don't really like them. I was gonna say Chicago's got serious quarterback issues because Trubisky stinks. Denver, I don't think a guy like Drew Locke is particularly ready. Now, the one that's most interesting to me. I want to get your, your 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 feeling about this. Is the idea that the San Francisco 49ers will potentially sign Tom Brady? And I think that's the most asinine thing in the world. Even though Jim Garoppolo is mediocre at best. Right. Um, you know, I could see how 
a couple of parties would be interested in it. I could see definitely how Tom Brady would be interested in playing there. I could see how interested Bill Belichick would be if there was a potential Brady for Garoppolo swap. I could not see how San Francisco would be on board with trading away a guy that they just paid money to on a kind of favorable contract for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's not the best, but, I mean, he did just lead you to a Super Bowl in one of the hardest divisions in the NFL. And so, no, I, I, I wouldn't do that. If I, I don't know why San Francisco would do that. It's confusing to me. I mean, you, are, you have a hard enough time getting Jimmy Garoppolo to just, you know, be, be able to win you a game. So the idea that the 42-year-old with serious – limitations throwing the football at this point would be able to do it eh, I, I don't know now mind you Kyle Shanahan seems to be a better play caller and offensive mind than Josh McDaniels is I agree and so I think that guy might be able to figure something out scheme something up you know look if he was able to scheme something up and get mediocre ass Jim Garoppolo to a Super Bowl I think he'd be able to figure something out with with Tom Brady, especially giving the idea that Brady at that point would have a running game behind him, a halfway decent offensive line, and a couple of fast dudes out there, and a dominant defense. I'm going to ask you another one. What's up? Have you thought about Tennessee? What do you feel about that? Hmm. I don't think Tannehill is the guy that can get you there. Right. Tannehill is a game manager. At absolute best. And I think there's a reason why they got Ryan Tannehill for pennies on the dollar last year. Tannehill is extremely limited at absolute best. Right? Now, if you bring back Derrick Henry and you're able to run the football extremely well and take your deep shots when you need to and then rely on your defense to make it work, that's a formula kind of like the late two late 2000s New York Jets that can work but but for but so long like we saw it at the end with the Jets when they needed Mark Sanchez to make a play or this past year with San Francisco and they needed Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play right? right they couldn't make it for you can Tannehill make the plays for you that's the question and you know throughout his career the answer to that question has been no man the Miami Dolphins got rid of my got rid of Ryan Tannehill look and they didn't get rid of him because he was good and the Dolphins have been getting rid of everybody that's good but that ain't the reason they got rid of Ryan Tannehill though he was butt cheeks but I think that wouldn't be a bad spot for Tom Brady. Again, structure-wise, the structure wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad fit for him. But all in all, I think so. If we're gonna go on a scale of one to ten, and we got to get out of here to close out the segment, uh, how confident are, that he goes back to England on a scale of one to ten? Uh, I give it about a three. Hmm. Like it's not totally a zero that he's gone for sure, but I think. I think he's out of there. I'll give it a six and a half to a seven. And it's not because I think, you know, that he just really, really wants to go back or anything like that. or You know, but it's more along the lines of they've been together for so long. What are they like without each other? Right. Like, you know, we've been around older folks that have been married for a long time. And those old folks are like, man, I, could, I can't get divorced at this point. And you're like, why, Mr. Johnson? He said, man, I don't know what it's like to be single. I don't want to get a tender, right? They're like, they don't know what it's like without that person. They've been around that person. They function in that environment and that system for so long. It's comfortable. People stay with comfortable. No matter how good, bad, or otherwise that is. They stay with it. 
I think Brady stays with it. I agree. The arguments are different when you know each other. But we got to leave it right there. We will be right back. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Get it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Twitter, Game Plan TSM. T is in Tom, S is in Sarah, M as in Maurice. Kennedy Miller. Sir. Where can they find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at Coach Ken underscore TNBA. Again, Coach Ken underscore T as in Terrence, N as in Nate, B as in Brandon, A as in Ashton. All right. All right. Again, the Game Plan Podcast brought to you by our friends at Velvet Noir BC. To get free shipping on your next order from VelvetNoirBC.com, use the promo code GPTSM. Velvet Noir Beard Care Products, top two. Not two. And speaking of top two and not two, who may be top two? Tua Tagovailoa. After Tua Tagovailoa has been cleared to participate in his pro day on April the 9th in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and the rumblings have begun, Kennedy Miller, that the Washington football team may decide to abandon Dwayne Haskins and draft Tua Tagovailoa number two overall and make him their quarterback of the future. Kitty Miller, would you abandon the Dwayne Haskins project after just one season? It's mm, a great question, man. It's, it's honestly tough. I mean, it's something that the organization is going to have to decide. You know, they got a new head coach. We talked about it last year when um, Cliff Kingsbury got hired by the Cardinals. And it was like, you know, if you want a new coach – to succeed you want to bring in all the tools that he would like that he feels is necessary for his team to compete and if he feels that to attack about low is the better option for him and ron rivera um to compete other than Dwayne haskins then yeah i'm all i'm down for it but i mean it's a it's a very interesting dynamic that you're gonna have to to make have the guys in the locker room accepted Dwayne haskins as the next leader you know like I, it, it's tough. It's tough to give up on a kid so early. But, I mean, if, if a lot of people are really high on Tua. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. Um, but I don't I don't know, man. That's, that's going to be interesting. I'll say this. I always say when you're drafting players, especially quarterbacks, you have to give them two to three years to at least, you know, figure out what you think they're going to be. Right. So after having a, about a half a season of Dwayne Haskins as the quarterback, how can you just already know just for certain who and what he's going to be as an NFL player? Now, mind you, I was a guy who thought last season Dwayne Haskins should should not have like taken like a snap of meaningful game action. You know, he should have been one of those guys. To where if he was playing, the Redskins were either up 30 or down 30. And they were down 30 a lot this year, right? But he needed to sit and watch. And if we remember the guys that were out, that he had out there with him, yo, man, this was not just a, a, hand, just a load of talent. 
per se, right? So he had out there at his disposal Adrian Peterson, who is only still playing because he has a whole hell of a lot of child support and a ton of debt. Right? Uh, At the wideout spot, have you ever heard of a Kelvin Harmon? Nope. A Terry McLaurin? Only on Madden. Uh, I know Darvin Kizzy. I grew up with him. I, I don't want to disrespect my guy like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I do know him. Uh, Jeremy Sprinkle, Caleb Wilson, and, you know, on the IR, Jordan Reed was on IR, right? Darius Geis ended up on IR. Mm-hmm. Paul Richardson ended up on IR. Trent Williams didn't play. So we're talking about giving up on a guy after he hasn't really you know we haven't seen what he can do with optimum talent in an optimal in an optimal situation it's way too early to give up on a guy like that and i felt the exact same way last year when the reds excuse me when the cardinals gave up on josh rosen to take kyler murray and that was a, a bit of a different instance because uh kingsbury was coming in with the air raid and josh rosen is a lot of things but an air raid quarterback isn't one of them so it made sense. All right, let's go get a guy who's run my system in high school and college. You know, he has more familiarity, can pick it up quickly than a guy who that isn't his skill set. With a, with a guy like Ron Rivera as the head coach, Ron Rivera isn't an offensive guy. So he should be fairly agnostic about what, what's going on, on the offensive side of the ball. Like, he should be a guy where as long as y'all score, as long as y'all moving the football, I'm cool. Right? Right. So I couldn't I couldn't I, I couldn't give up on Haskins that early, man. I, I'd have to take Chase Young, man. So think about this, Kennedy. They could have a defensive line of Deron Payne, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, and Ryan Kerrigan. Yep. And Montez Sweat. Sounds terrifying. Like with those four or five guys, you won't score. <laughs> Like, give Haskins some more time to try to figure this out. And that's the thing, like, you know, if you make this pick and, you know, just say Tua turns out to be a good quarterback, but he's not a life changer. But Chase Young turns out to be what he's projected as the top prospect in in college football. Are you okay with living with those results? And I know, I mean, everybody, you know, always talks about, you know, like, well, the quarterback has the most impact on the field because he's got the ball in his hands every play. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, you can make an argument that a dominant defensive line is what knocked off what could have been the greatest team in NFL history with, um, you know, the Patriots losing to the Giants. With that defensive line twice, uh, Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan, you know, and then the second time, Jason Pierre-Paul, O.C. Yumanura, Matthias Kiwanuka. I mean, like, that's the recipe for taking down these great teams is having guys that are going to force the quarterback to be in uncomfortable situations every time he drops back. One thing you can never have too many of when it comes to the game of football, you can never have too many guys that can protect the passer. You can never have too many guys that can rush the passer. You can never have too many guys that can defend the pass i'm talking about like corners defensive back safeties that's why in the majority of drafts who do you always see high up on the list outside if it's not a quarterback you see tons of defensive linemen 
in offensive tackles. Right. So, for me, with Washington, the pick's Chase Young. Like, you can worry about how you're going to pay Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and Chase Young and Kerrigan down the line later. You can worry about how you're going to pay all of them down the road. But for now, while you've got all five or six of them, yo, you start there. Because if we see with San Francisco, a team like San Francisco, you get a dominant defensive line. You can change your team's fortunes just like that. Just like that. With a quarterback that we admitted was subpar. You know another team that had like a dominant defensive line in a booty cheeks quarterback? The Jaguars. Yep. Jacksonville, like a having a middle of the pack quarterback and a dominant defensive line, you can go farther you can go farther potentially than having a extremely elite quarterback and an average to mediocre defense. I agree. So we both kind of in the grands here. That yeah, is Chase I, Young I the pick? It would it would be the pick for me. I'm I'm leaning more on like the conservative side here. You brought up a great point on the Ron Rivera thing. You know, if he he's not coming from an air raid system, it's not like you know, Ron Rivera's had success in this league, and I think with Chase Young. If, if he's projected to be what he is, I would I would take him. I would have to. We're gonna leave it right there. Coming up next, we're gonna have an interview with a friend of the show. Matter of fact, I can't even call him a friend of the show. This is family that we're gonna have on the show next segment. My brother right. Bryce Goodwin will be joining us on the Game Plan Podcast. He is one of the assistant coaches assistant coaches for the Stafford Spartan Boys basketball team, which is going to the state semifinals this weekend in San Antonio, Texas. We're going to talk to him about the Spartans, his journey coaching, all that and more on the other side of the break. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM Gannett's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Twitter, Game Plan TSM again. Game Plan TSM. T as in Tom, S as in Sarah, M as in Mother. Joining us on the phone right now is Bryce Goodwin, assistant coach of the Stafford Spartans boys basketball team, which will be playing in the state tournament this weekend against Argyle at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Bryce, how you doing? doing all right man how are you man i'm doing pretty good doing pretty good good to have you here on the program with us so let's just jump right on into it you're 24 years old and you're the youngest coach on the stafford spartans basketball staff first off just let, let the folks know at home what drew you to coaching and what is the most rewarding aspect of coaching that you found thus far man, that's actually a great question um my path to coaching actually started when i, when I was in high school so you know i was never the most athletically gifted or the most talented player on any you know basketball team football team but I think I always had a gift for being able to think the game if that makes any sense so I I was always drawn to to the more technical aspects of the sport the more strategic aspects and I guess that kind of started my path and I was blessed in that you know the athletic director from my time actually at Stafford High School uh, coach Savannah still was the uh, 
was the uh, defensive coordinator when I was there and I was the athletic director and was able to give me an opportunity to, to start this journey. And, you know, the most rewarding part about my career field, man, is just is just seeing the improvement from the kids and building the relationship with the kids because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what my profession is about. It's all about the kids. It's all about the athletes, you know. And so seeing them progress from, you know, the beginning of the year to the end of the year is just – it's something that I don't think is replicated. You know, I think it's, it's one of the best things about what I do. Uh, do you think your age at being 24 and not being – near the kids age but close enough to where you can relate to them do you think that gives you a i guess you could say hidden advantage to relate to the student athletes you know motivate them in certain kinds of ways that older coaches wouldn't be able to yeah i think it, it you know being 24 years old definitely has its its pluses and minuses you know in this line of work um you know obviously a senior in high school could be 18 years old and I'm 24, so I think, you know, that's about a six-year age gap, and so that, that's not very big. So there's a lot of times that challenge that comes with that, um, where, you know, you might have some of the 18-year-olds, some of the seniors who, you know, they might try to challenge your authority or, you know, think that, you know, you're, you're not as qualified as somebody who may be 40 years old. But I think the way that that's went over is by, you know, constantly demonstrating, for one, my, my desire for them to be the best person that they can be, person on the court, on the field, or off the court, on the field, in the classroom. You know, just caring for the student, caring for the kid. I think that's the most important part in breaking down those barriers and and just continuing every day to come out there and demonstrate an aptitude for the sport and demonstrate the knowledge that I have. And I think that's how that's how I'm able to build those relationships, which are definitely a plus because it, it allows me, like you said, to relate to those kids who may not be able to relate to somebody who's been coaching for 40 years, 50 years, just by virtue of the fact that we have similar experiences and that we both grew up. Uh, and by both, I mean myself and a hypothetical athlete. We both grew up in the age of social media. We both grew up in, in, um, in this climate. So I have certain things that I can relate to the athlete, whereas somebody else cannot. Uh, moving on to the, I guess you could say, the sports aspect of things. Uh, at the beginning of each season, every team in the state has championship aspirations. But what makes this team special that has them on the cusp of making those championship dreams that they you know, that they came up with way back in September and October. What has them this close to making the, them a reality here in March? Well, you know, when we started this season, uh, Coach Montagna, we had our coaches meeting, and then we met with the students, or we met with the athletes, rather. And our goal was always to win the region. You know, there was no, you know, pseudo, you know, big fairy tale goal for us. It was That was a concrete goal to win the region. You know, and, and that was based on our performance last year. Coach Montano's first year as the head coach, we, we made it to the second round last year, and we ultimately lost to Liberty Hill, um, who went on to play in the state championship game. So we knew from that point, okay, you know, we know the second round exit is not what we want, but we have the talent coming up. You know, like right now when you look at our roster, one of our leading scorers is a sophomore who played varsity as a freshman. You know, our point guard, who is – I think our leading score in points per game is a junior, so he'll be back next year. So I think we knew that we would have a good group at the end of last year. Okay, now what makes our team so great is, in my opinion, I think it's our versatility. You know, we have a lot of kids who are able to play multiple positions. Um, we defend very well in the perimeter and in the post. And, you know, at the end of the day, these kids have bought into the system. We play defense. Uh, we play good man-to-man -man defense help. We help from the backside. We rebound and we play offense through the post players. And I think that's something that our kids bought into and that they believe in, which has allowed us to make this run. Uh, you mentioned that 
all of the kids from top to bottom have bought in. Did you have any issues at the beginning of the season at any point with with, with some of the guys not buying in as much as uh, as as some of the others as some of the other guys did? Um, I wouldn't say issues. It's just more so, you know, uh, you know, we're dealing with kids who range from 14 to 18 years old. So I, I don't want to say we had an issue with kids buying in, but at the end of the day, teenagers are going to be teenagers and they're going to test the boundaries. But, you know, where we do a good job in our program is from Coach Montano, who's the head coach, to Coach Sanchez, who's the JV coach, and uh, myself as the freshman coach, There's we're, we're aligned. There's a vertical alignment within the program. So there are no wavering expectations. So there is no room for someone who thinks that they don't have to buy in. It, it's almost not optional. Well, I guess it's optional in the sense that either you can buy into what we're going to do or, you know, you won't. And as at that point, you won't be a part of our program. And, and because that expectation is set from the top to the bottom, kids know that there is no wiggle room. So we don't so much have the issue with kids not buying in. They, they're, they're pretty much they're up to speed at this point, especially since it's Coach Montaya's second year as the head of the program. Again, we're talking to Bryce Goodwin, one of the assistant coaches from the Stafford Spartan Boys basketball team that will be playing in the state tournament this weekend against Argyle. Now getting to Argyle, what makes them such a tough team, and how have they been able to be successful so far this season? And, um, you know, I, since I've been watching film on Argyle, a couple things really jump off the page. For one, they're, they are a tall team. You know, they have a six foot six, six foot seven post player, um, and like I mentioned about us, they play through the post as well. So they, they, they're very disciplined in what they do. They don't come down and take a lot of wild three-point shots. They're very systematic in their approach, and they play decent man-to-man defense. So everything that they do, they've, they're, they do well. So like I said, they play, they play solid offense through the post. They play solid defense. And another thing that often gets overlooked is that they make a high percentage of their free throws. So they don't make a lot of empty trips to the free throw line, and, and they're long. So that those are the things that make them, you know, a, a team that's well worth the position that they currently have and being in the state tournament. But there are no bad teams in the state tournament. You don't get to the state tournament as a bad team. So from this point out, any team that we face, and even in the regional tournament, everybody has earned the right to be here. So there, nobody is any competition to be taken lightly. You mentioned that their tallest player was six foot seven. How tall is your tallest player? Just for clarification. Um, we have a kid who's six four, six five. So you know, we give up a couple inches, but um, you know, at the end of the day, we're we're looking forward to it because it, this fits our strength um, in playing in the half court setting. Because you know, despite what people may think, you know, you know, we'll get out and transition as a team, but. We actually, in my opinion, and, and I believe in Coach Patino's, play better in the half-court setting where things are more structured, where we're able to get into our offensive sets. So, you know, it, it'll be an interesting battle. Uh, again, we're talking to Bryce Goodwin, one of the assistant coaches for the Stafford Spartan Boys basketball team. State finalist. State semifinalist, excuse me. Semifinalist, yes, sir. Stafford Spartan Boys basketball team. Uh one last question before we get you out of here. What would winning a state championship mean to the people in Stafford and just mean for you as a young coach in the profession? Um, you know, to the to the community, you know, Stafford is is Stafford High School is in Stafford Municipal School District, the only municipal school district in the state of Texas. So um, that in itself provides a unique experience. And that we are the like I mentioned, the only school district that's controlled by the school by the city. So there's always a sense of community, and we've had nothing but support from our community as we've made this playoff run, and even before that, it, during the regular season. 
So I think it'd be big for our community as the last time we, we, we as in Stafford was in the state tournament was 2010. You know, and and before that, 2009. So, our whole goal with this is to restore Stafford to its, its prior glory, and I think that's something that's very important to us. And as for me personally, as someone who attended Stafford, I think it's 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 an awesome experience to be able to go back to my school and and provide them with this, and and I guess I'll say that, and to um and to potentially bring a championship to the school that I went to and that I care so much about, that I, I loved enough to come back and work at. So it's a unique experience for me and that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to, one, work at the school with which they from which they graduated, or two, have an opportunity as great as this at my young age. So it's something that I'm extremely blessed for. You know, I, I tell Coach Savannah, who, the athletic director, that I'm, I'm always appreciative for the chance he took on me as a, 22-year-old coach right out of college and even Coach Montano, who I met in the summer of 2017 before I had even graduated college. and He kind of took me under his wing and taught me a lot about basketball and even football. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And I'm just, honestly, I'm just blessed to be in a position that I am. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, uh, let the folks know that are listening to the Game Plan Podcast right now where they can follow, uh, where they can watch the game, potentially follow the Stafford Spartans boys team on social media. So, so they can just catch the catch the greatness in action. Oh yes, um, we can be followed on Twitter at SpartanBoysBB. So that's you know SpartanBoysBB. That's our Twitter handle, and uh, on Facebook, the Stafford Municipal School District Facebook page. You know, we'll put out alerts about how we're doing. And I, I'd actually have to get back to you with watching live, but I know the UIL is providing a live stream for the games at the the state tournament, so they can follow along at the UIL website. All right, man. Bryce Goodwin, man. We appreciate the time, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All righty. This is the Game Plan Podcast. We will be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Twitter at Game Plan TSM. That's T as in Tangare, S as in Sangria, M as in margaritas kennedy miller yes sir where can they find you on twitter you can find me at underscore i mean at excuse me at coach ken underscore t n b a again that's coach ken underscore t as in timberwolves e n as in nuggets b as in boston and a as in atlanta all right, all right. Again, Game Plan Podcast brought to you by our friends at Velvet Noir Beard Care Products. Get yourself any three products for $33. Velvet Noir BC, top two? Not two. All right, all right. Last segment of the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA here. Uh, Kenny Atkinson and the Brooklyn Nets parted ways over the weekend. You know, a bit of a shock just eight or nine months ago after signing Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, bringing in DeAndre Jordan with this team having extremely high expectations, haven't been able to meet him. Kyrie Irving's only played 20 ball games. Durant, as we expected, is not going to play until this coming October. But it was still a shock to see Kenny Atkinson decide basically he wanted to quit his job. Apparently, there were reports that he was not extremely high about coaching both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving seem to have some issues with Kenny Atkinson. So, Kennedy Miller, first off, how much is this a shock for you? And secondly, 
Who do you think should probably be the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, that's not a shock to me at all. And, I mean, it's kind of well regarded that Kyrie can be tough to play with and tough to coach and tough to deal with, honestly. Um, so I'm not surprised by the Kenny Atkinson decision. Uh, I, I was kind of shocked at the timing of it. You know, I because, I mean, they kept it really low-key until it happened. It wasn't like <clears throat> you heard about this so-called drama going on in Brooklyn or any rumblings of it. I don't know Brook, but, you know, Anthony wasn't surprised by it. Um, to answer the question on who would be the best choice, I think, I mean, I think it would have to be Tyron Lue. That's what they're doing here. If you're putting the organization in the hands of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, however it is, I think you have to be their guy, or in this case, Kyrie's guy, which would be Talu. I think he, being with Kyrie and LeBron, knows how to manage egos. Being a former player, having coached, I mean, being a former player, having played with so many star players in his career, he knows how to manage superstars and how they do with their day-to-day. The only thing with Ty Lu not going there. Is what if he gets a better when I say a better job, I mean Philadelphia. Because I would be more intrigued to take Sixers job over um the Brooklyn Nets job. I think for a guy like I mean, first off I'll say this. For me it, it is a bit shocking that just a bit after bringing in you see two of the top twelve or thirteen players in the NBA when they're healthy and what attracted those guys to the Brooklyn Nets was Kenny Atkinson and the way he did things the way he turned Dinwiddie from a journeyman wing guy to you know a serious contributor turning Joe Harris from a end of the bench guy who's probably going to end up in Europe after two years to a guy that's a serious player right taking D'Angelo Russell and turning him into an all-star Right. And part of that, I think, is that Atkinson is a is really good at developing players. But what about when those guys are already developed? Like, what are you able to do with those kinds of guys? It's the same thing. I've always asked the same question about a guy like Brad Stevens, because we think of Brad Stevens, college coach, Brad Stevens, you know, used to working with guys that aren't as talented after being the coach. I want to say at Butler. Right. He used to developing talent, working with not top-tier guys. So last year when they had Brad Stevens, you know, when he had to deal with Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward and just the, other, the rest of those guys, he didn't quite know how to handle it. I think Kenny Atkinson might have begun to have some of the same problems with Kyrie Irving and potentially well, not even Kevin Durant, you can say, because Durant ain't stepped on the damn floor. But the idea that no one – when you're the head coach and you don't have top tier talent. Nobody ever questions you. But when you have top tier talent, those top tier talents kind of want to dictate some things. If that makes any sense. No, I, I definitely understand. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's time. I just ran sports in Brooklyn. This is now a team that is transitioned from being that rebuilding team after they gift wrap Boston, a great future for, you know, these next couple of years that, transition from that team to a team that is with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving next year will look to be a contender coming out the East and challenge Milwaukee and go to the try and go to the finals. 
So you think so you think Ty Lue's gonna be the guy for the job? I'm I'm much more I'm not quite sure. I mean, of course, Kyrie has a great relationship with T Lou after working with him in Cleveland. But, you know, everybody always throws out Mark Jackson. But I think it's been six, seven years since Mark Jackson just about had a job. There's a reason why Mark Jackson hadn't got a second job, right? So, an, another name to throw out there potentially, like, I don't know. Guys around the league respect him, but he's had, like, a bit of a tough go at it. David Fisdale, that a halfway decent name to throw around? You said what? I said David Fisdale is well-respected by players. <clears throat> So for you, if it's not T. Lou, then who? Um, you know, like you said, obviously the commentators come up: Mark Jackson, Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy. Um, you're gonna have to have a veteran coach, maybe a, a former player. Um, honestly, I don't. Honestly, I don't really know. I I, I just think it, it's gonna end up being Ty Lou unless that Philly team just. Be, implodes and they need a coach dude philadelphia look brent brown is going to be without a job like come about may brent brown ain't gonna have no job because yo man if your second best player still refuses to shoot this ain't gonna work right so you're right i think tyloo may take that philadelphia job He's going to have that job open. I want to say that Cleveland job just closed, though I doubt he would ever want to go back there and work for Dan Gilbert. Oh, no, they just extended uh, J.B. J.B. Bickerstaff got a full-time job? I think they got him some. Yeah. It was a dog. J.B. is the career interim. But 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, Tyloo gets the Brooklyn Nets job. Mm-hmm. What do you give it? I'll say about a 7. Okay, okay. Give it about a seven. I'll, I'll give it a seven. All right, all right, all right. Let me think. I'll give it about a eight. I feel comfortable T. Lee's going to end up in Brooklyn at the end of this season. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time here on the Game Plan Podcast. Going to cut things just a bit short. Your boy got a pack. I got to go to Atlanta tomorrow. Hopefully, I don't catch that coronavirus. Pray for me. Don't catch that room. Hey man, I'ma try not. Look, I don't need. We don't need to add no t-shirts. That's how Alex caught that Rona. Right. Well, hey man, we 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 don't need any of that at all. But uh, Kitty Miller, my man, I appreciate you for joining me. Let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Coach Ken underscore T N B A. Again, Coach Ken underscore T as in Trailblazers, N as in Nets. B as in, I'll just say Buccaneers, and A as in Admiral. All right, all right. Once again, Game Plan Podcast brought to you by our friends at Velvet Noir BC. Get yourself any three products for $33. Get any three products for $33. Velvet Noir BC, top two. Not two. All right, all right. This has been the Game Plan Podcast. For Kennedy Miller, Alex Goodwin is my name. We'll see you next time.